listening to the TCM Podcast. Hey there, this is Scott McGee, your host for the TCM Podcast, and thank you so much for joining me. Uh, my guest today is Sister Rose Picotti, who is the host of a festival of movies that were airing on TCM in March 2016. Uh, films that were condemned or judged by the Catholic Legion of Decency, uh, starting in 1934 all the way through the mid-60s and beyond. Uh, Sister Rose is a member of the Daughters of St. Paul and the founding director of the Pauline Center for Media Studies in Culver City, California. Uh, she's the author of several books on scripture and film. Uh, she writes for the National Catholic Reporter and gives international seminar presentations on film and spirituality. And in fact, she's also uh, has a history of serving on juries at the Venice, Berlin, Locarno, and Newport Beach Film Festivals. And we could not have been more pleased to have her on TCM. So here is my conversation with Sister Rose Picotti. We just finished a really busy weekend at the Religious Education Congress. So, and the and the Razzie Awards because I gave out the Redeemer Award again this year. Wait, what? What's the Redeemer Award? Well, they started it last year to award to an actor or actress who has finally redeemed themselves with a good project. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that you got to own your bad with the Golden Raspberry Awards. You know, <laughs> and so last year we gave it to Ben Affleck, but he didn't come and pick it up. And this year it was to Sylvester Stallone, and he might come pick it up. Wow. I don't know. They're working on it. At least he will get something this year since he didn't get an Academy Award. Uh, that was I was very disappointed uh, or surprised even by that. Actually, so was I. I you know, they're, they're known to give sentimental awards. I mean, you know, I mean, for his contribution and what he's done. And uh, although the actor they gave it to was certainly deserving, mm -hmm. but I... Um, I really thought he had a lock on that. Well, I'm actually going to talk to you a little bit about the Oscars uh, sure. toward, towards the end. So we'll, we'll just save that for, uh, for just a second. Um, well, thank you so much for joining me. I, I, I think having you on the TCM podcast is a really wonderful way to sort of augment uh, the the, the incredible press that, that you've received and that TCM received for this uh, for the festival on uh, Condemn, the, the films that were judged by the Catholic Legion of Decency. So uh, thank you so much for joining me. This has been this is going to be wonderful. Well, thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. So, Sister Rose, when when you were first approached by TCM to host this series, what what were your thoughts on the matter? I started laughing. <laughs> Why is that? Uh, you know, I keep trying to figure it out. And I told the sisters of my community, and they all started laughing. And I said, why are you laughing? And that made them laugh more. And then I told, I asked my provincial if I could do this, and she started laughing. And she said, oh, that's right up your alley. So uh, I think, I don't know, maybe there's some kind of divine irony in this. I really don't know. And it... it it is funny and then it isn't, especially because of some of the reactions that um, I've been getting, you know, some of the pushback that people think uh, I'm endorsing movies that were condemned between 1933 and 1965 and then a little beyond that. It's not an endorsement to be able to talk about these things. And uh, it's unfortunate, I think, that people get scared by 
by, you know, willingness to, to explore and to be educated and to be fascinated and to be interested. But be, be that as it may, my first reaction was, sure, I'll do it. <laughs> Were you already a, a TCM watcher? You know, I know about TCM, and occasionally I have watched TCM, but I am not a devotee of TCM. But now I will be. Okay. Okay, I will. You know, it's just a matter of time for me. I can mostly dedicate myself at least to one hour-long TV show a night just to be able to keep informed. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's hard to um, do everything I do and then have time for leisurely TV watching as I would do on TCM. But I have to make a request of you from all of my 5,000 Facebook friends. Sure. They really want you to show Song of Bernadette again. It's been a long time. I will let Charlie Tabish, our head of programming, know that. Thank uh, you. And, of course, I should also mention that uh, in April, uh, in at the TCM Classic Film Festival in Hollywood, I believe you'll be introducing the song of Bernadette. Yes. That I could not think of a better a better host for that film. Do you know what what is so interesting about that film? It's just it it really had a major influence on me entering the convent. And I remain forever grateful to that film and I love it and I got to go to Lords once. You know, I have multiple sclerosis and after I was diagnosed this wonderful priest friend he said, I want to send you to Lourdes because I know you love it. And uh, I've never been there. But, you know, we don't just get to go on pilgrimages. You know, you don't get permission for stuff like that. So I had to wait till I was going to be in Europe for something. And then another sister and I got to go to Lourdes. And I have to tell you, it was amazing. So I have such um, heart memories of watching that film and I and having it be part of my discernment to enter the convent so yeah i'm really happy to do that thank you so how did how did you discover the song of bernadette when did you see it okay this is the really interesting thing so i was about i must have been just turned 15 and i'd been out with my brother and his girlfriend and i was out with this young man friend and you know we were just teenagers and i think we'd gone to the store to buy a coke or something you know this is the 60s you know we didn't really do a lot there were curfews you know it was um bad times and um so i walked in the living room walked home and i i just walked away and i looked at the tv and my mom was watching the the, the movie and i stood there behind her rocking chair and i just watched it just grabbed me from the first minute and i can't explain it to you i must have come into it um you know just as she was seeing the apparitions of mary and then i was especially taken when she said goodbye to her family and the, the young man who was interested in her. And that was so poignant and so, I don't know, just, I guess, fed into a kind of ongoing discernment that I was having. And um, so that the following summer when things really came together for me, uh, and after I saw The Trouble with Angels, because I have to give that film credit to, um, <laughs> Yeah, it was easy to make a decision. So was this uh, was this the beginning of a realization that there can be uh, a link between between cinema and an examination and or almost a discovery of a, of your spiritual life? Absolutely, and uh, there is an article coming out online on uh, in the journal 
on Religion and Film from the University of Nebraska. It's a wonderful online journal. And it's a look at the influence of cinema on uh, the lives of nuns, on nuns who, what movies influenced them when they decided to become a nun. It's an amazing article, and it'll be out in the April April 1st. So right at the end of this series, uh, that, that uh, article will be out. And I have to tell you, uh, she interviewed, the author interviewed by, you know, a monkey, <laughs> monkey survey what it is and uh, 75 religious and they I think the sound of music interestingly enough and Maria leaves right mm -hmm. but it was the mother superior it was her you know her freedom to be able to tell Maria that she had to go on the path that was her path and that really influenced I think a majority of young women who entered in the 60s and now we're not so young anymore, but, this, <laughs> but I saw The Sound of Music, and maybe it touched me on some level, but those aren't the two movies. That isn't the movie that stands out for me. But the other one would be The Song of Bernadette had a big influence on a lot of young women, and so did The Trouble with Angels. Mm -hmm. Maybe not as strongly, but it was there. So, yeah, you know, it's like reading a book. Although I, I don't really put uh, cinema on the same level as literature, but... In a way, we, our ma imaginations enter into the story and we walk in the footsteps of those characters if we identify with them. And sure, if we're reflective viewers and deep viewers, that's what I like to say, uh, um, deep deep movie watchers, sure, it will touch us in some way. You know, St. Ignatius says that God is present everywhere. We can find God everywhere. And I think we can find God at the movies, I believe that and this is something i mean how do you think how do you think film or cinema approaches that examination differently than say a novel that, that you just mentioned well certainly it push puts um flesh and bone and, and sound right there for us somebody else's imagination you know kind of incarnates that that and you know there's a sacramental quality to film and i and i say that because Film is an outward manifestation of inner realities. And we see the inner realities of these characters played out before us. And it's someone else's imagining, but our imagination can engage as well, especially if the story is meaningful to us. If something in the, the characters, the hero's journey, if you will, touches us in some way. And nobody sees the same film the same way. So there's no way to generalize how a person will respond or how an audience will respond. Or if we laugh, why do we all laugh for the same reasons? Or if we cry, do we all cry for the same reasons? Or if we're bored, if we're all bored for the same reasons, <laughs> there's, there's no way to, to, to just to predict that because the human person is a universe and we all have different experiences, different education, different expectations of the movie. And, because of that, that's what we bring to our movie watching experience. But I'm going to, um, I, I know you've probably heard of the great French film critic André Bazin. Of course. Who was a, he was a Catholic. And, and he made this statement that I always fall back on, that the cinema has always been interested in God. Well, and if you take that and, and have that as your lens when you start watching movies, you'll be really surprised. Even... Not just old movies, but or older movies. I don't want to just say old movies, but older movies, 
and even newer movies. I think this year's crop of films was especially reflective of the divine spark in, in the human person. And the human person, the fate, we see the face of humanity in cinema. And it's in the face of humanity that we find God. We find that divine spark. So if a film is truly human, it's truly of the divine. And if it's about the divine, then it's truly human. They're, they're mutually inclusive. They're not exclusive. And so sometimes we see difficult movies like we're going to watch. You know, some people deem some of these condemned movies as difficult. Well, maybe they were for, for the times and maybe it was just so overwhelming to audiences to see their imaginations played out in front of them in sight and sound. But um, I think that if we call, you know, look at appraise these stories calmly, I think we'll see much deeper than how they were evaluated so many years, 80 years ago. Which I, I think it's a good reminder for those who are listening to this podcast that the, the entire festival that, that you hosted or are hosting this month on TCM is all, all about films that were judged uh, by the Catholic Legion of Decency on whether or not Catholics should watch them. Is that, is that, fair, is that fair to say? Well, they were judged morally offensive. And sure, the, it was saying, don't go. And there was a pledge involved. You know, every year there would be people would take a pledge and... I was talking to a, a friend of mine who, as a young man, worked for the National Catholic Office for Motion Pictures that succeeded the Legion of Decency in 19, oh, around after 1965. And um, he said that, you know, they worked on these films, these as consensus, and that these ratings and guidance were really given for adults. I... I was under the conception they were afraid of, and I've read it in their in their documents that you know that that the moral harm that could be done to the young, but he said to me that no, this these were really written for adults. They were they didn't want adults going. I guess they figured if the adults wouldn't go, the kids wouldn't go. But um, even the pledge was intended more for adults than for kids. But kids remember taking it, or old people now remember taking it. Yeah, it's a. I think the movie shocked people, and I have to tell you a letter email I received as a reaction to this. I had an exchange, three email exchange, and this man said, "You know, why are you going to show movies that stimulate people?" I mean, that's pretty frank. Mm -hmm. And I said to him, "You know, I think you have to consider that." Yeah, the women are rather exploited. I'm thinking of the Jane Russell movies, The French Line, for example, or The Outlaw, mm -hmm. and um, their costuming or whatever. They're, they were targeted at men. And I said, I don't think you can generalize what some people's reaction might be to the whole audience. And But it, in those days, they certainly did generalize. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but they're most, in those the early days, they were mostly men judging these films which so that, that's interesting to me i think it's uh <clears throat> i think it's also interesting in that the what what you cover and what you talk about in terms of how the catholic legion of decency covered and reviewed these films i think it's still pertinent and timely for us in terms of how we as a culture 
how we interpret films, uh, not just from a spiritual level, but also from a socioeconomic level or a political level. I mean, absolutely. Film still speaks to us in a way, and it depend depending on who you are and what your circumstances are. It may you may have a completely different reaction. So it's important to take all of those those issues, uh, you know, in under consideration. Absolutely. You know, the film Baby Doll. When I was watching it. I, and I had read the, the statement of the Legion condemning it. And I said, why is no one talking about how badly the African-Americans are treated in this movie? Why is no one talking about the violence? Mm-hmm. Why it's only about the sex? And I'm thinking to myself, you know, I'm, I'm going to find this quote as we're talking, but Flannery O'Connor says somewhere, somebody asked her why are there only indecent novels today? And she answered them, well, it's because that's all people know what to look for Mm. when you're reading. So it's the same, I think, with cinema. If all you're looking for is one thing or two things, that's all you're going to find. And so it depends on what you, who you are as a person when you choose to watch a film Mm -hmm. and why you're watching it. And, uh, then what you do with it. And another lady uh, said to me on Facebook, I said to her, well, I think you watch a film and then you think about it. And she said, what do you mean think about it? Who thinks about a film? I said, are you kidding me? (laughs) I couldn't believe that she didn't. She said, you know, you just get this emotional impact of a film, you know, that stimulates you. She didn't use that word, but it was the emotional impact. And that's it. And I said, no, you you take it in. Didn't you see the movie Inside Out? That's what that's all about. Right. But she obviously didn't. Um, but yeah, what what people think? I I think that some religious people have have uninformed ideas about media and some media literacy and how television works and how film works would be good for everyone to take on so they can become their own critics and to become a critic means you have to think about what you watch which which to be fair it's not just it's not just religious people it's there there is a i would say there's also a lack of film literacy amongst people who are not particularly religious it's, and it's it's so it's important Could to be. No, it's important to note that i i think that I think it's easy for, I, I think it's easy for films to be mis- misunderstood or misinterpreted, uh, or even undervalued as still to this day as as a work of art, uh, and that it it's it acts more than just on a superficial level as that person that you corresponded with on Facebook. I mean they they think that film is just hitting you on an emotional level, and that it's not worthy of interpretation or discussion or consideration in terms of how it affects them you know on a spiritual level or even an intellectual level well and you know i always use the word influence rather than effect Mm -hmm. because effect is cause and effect you know and uh, like we don't have a choice in it but we choose to watch it we choose to stay with it and if we do that then we're already moved beyond the the idea of you know the the emotional entryway because there's nothing as aristotle said there's nothing in the brain 
in the mind that was at first in the senses. And our senses are good. They are good. They're gifts and they're gifts from God. And, and so once, once the information or whatever comes into our brain, then if, I think if we're, if we're really good participants in humanity, we will think about what, what those stories are and what, what the movie means. You know, people say to me, well, what do you like at movies? Or what do you, you know, what's your stick uh, about movies? And I always say, <laughs> I want to know what the movie means. I don't want to count bad words. I don't want to just look at um, acts of violence, even though that's a huge critical point for me, especially if there's no consequences to the violence. Mm -hmm. And I want to know what it means. And uh, I think that if you look at it to what it really means, sometimes it might not mean a whole lot. It will be boring. Mm -hmm. And there are, you know, those, I think they're, I call them pulp movies. <laughs> they just put them out to like Paul Bart, Mall Cop. You know, he got nominated <laughs> for many Razzies this year. And um, ra those are the Golden Raspberry Awards. And that's where actors are and directors and filmmakers are told to own their bad. But so those there's the pulp movies. And I don't know, there's but you know what, in some way, I, I don't want to make fun of every movie because someone might get something good out of it. And why I don't want to denigrate that. It depends on where they are in their life. And maybe Paul's uh, persistence inspires them mm -hmm. or something, you know. But I don't know. It does, it's not on the same level for me as something like um, the movie Room that was an incredible film. Is an incredible film. Extraordinary. So, well, I, you know, I, I think it's a good uh, time to mention that one of the films – that you introduced for this festival uh, was called the French line. You had mentioned earlier, uh, the Jane, yeah. Jane Russell. And, <laughs> you know, to be, to be uh, uh, accurate, that was a film that you weren't particularly a fan of. And I, <laughs> I, and I completely agree. It's not that great of a film, but I think what you did with it was you brought an, under, a deeper understanding of what the real issues were that the Catholic Legion of Decency Mm -hmm. uh, responded to so which is to say that even with a bad film there's still something to be learned from it and it, which gets back to what you were just saying that some people may actually like the french line and may have some may have a completely different reaction to it mm -hmm. which is not which should be which should be uh valued no absolutely and Sometimes it's really not easy to judge a film. And when you do, you, they, you know, you always take a risk of, um, I don't know, losing some credibility maybe, or being irrelevant. If you really don't watch the film for what it means, if you just watch it for content. Which is what you do on your own website, right? Sisterrosemovies.net. That's what I try to do, yes. And I try to look at the human beings that are portrayed in the film and and uh, to look. And then I use the, the principles of Catholic social teaching, beginning with human dignity. That That is a really good lens to use when, um, when looking at film. But you look at the whole film. 
as they say, the film's not over till the last credit rolls because <laughs> you don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> and I have to admit, sometimes I walk out before the last credit rolls <laughs> and I've missed some surprises. You know, some of these action films, they put in a teaser for the next one coming along. But and then nobody will tell you what it was because <laughs> you didn't stay. But uh, yeah, it's the whole film. And I just think that if we're going to choose to watch a film, watch the whole film. I think of all the films I've gone to since I started reviewing films in earnest in 2002, 2003, was I've only walked out of two films. because at, Those were both at festivals, and one at the Berlin Film Festival and one at the Venice Film Festival. And it was because there was... It just kept going on and on, and there wasn't going... If there was going to be a point of redemption, at that point I didn't care because it was offending me, and and and, the, and all the other press were already walking out. I I hung in longer than they did, but just to say that I try to give the respect to the filmmaker and the director. It is not easy to make a film. It's not easy to put television together, and I also don't think people have an understanding of the processes involved that you can't turn around a TV show in an hour. Like, we can do a podcast really fast. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to putting all the elements of good television together, wow, it's such a big collaboration and and time-consuming. And there's so many, I want to say rules, but there's procedures and processes that you that people have to go through. It's some people were saying to me, don't get involved in this project. Step away from this project. Somebody sent me a guide to confession. I just want you to know that because they thought I was getting in over my head. And I said to them, you know, this series was taped in January. <laughs> and they went, oh. <laughs> Did, you know, it, it's funny that they think that you're going to host a series, that you're going to be there on the set. So that's interesting, too, because here's this TV show coming into your living room. And you have this relationship with the host, right? And you think that they're right there, the immediacy of it. They don't even think that it was pre-taped. That's an interesting, I don't know, phenomenon of our relationship with television. That we don't even make that distinction and think that things haven't been prepped and prepared months before. This has been in the work when? Since November? Yep. October? I believe it is. So, so... Yeah, there's all kinds of things that some television literacy and media literacy and film literacy would really help folks out. And I think help them relax a little bit, that we're not going to be diminished by what we see if we, if we approach it with, um, with information, with the willingness to maybe discover something new. But again, they don't have to either. It's a free choice. You, you uh, mentioned... Uh, film uh, over the past year in 2015 and how it was a, you said it was a good year. What were some of the standouts for you? You mentioned Room. Oh, I loved Room. Spotlight. I saw Spotlight at the Venice Film Festival and um, I didn't go to the premiere. I went to the first press screening and then there was a premiere that night and uh, one of my co-jurists, uh, a lady from Ecuador, we were on the Catholic jury at Venice, which has been there, by the way, for more than 70 years since after World War II. And she said there was a 10-minute standing ovation for Spotlight. 
That's and remarkable. I thought that was out. That was extraordinary. And our jury issued a statement right away about the film because we felt it was such an important film. I was really kind of surprised it won Best Picture, though. I thought Revenant had a lock. And, um, but that they chose Best uh, Picture was significant and meaningful. And I think it, that, so that's that. Revenant, even though it is probably one of the most beautifully filmed, incredibly acted films, films about revenge don't, don't really move me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, at the end of the movie, spoiler alert, people, <laughs> you know, he kind of splits the difference. You know, he doesn't kill him, the bad guy, but he just cuts him loose and sends him down the river about, I don't know, a couple hundred yards and the Indians take care of it for him. So, gosh, after all that, that's what you get. So then let's see, I'm trying to think, oh, Brooklyn. You know, here's the thing about Brooklyn. I'm watching it. I live in Southern California. The, we, we live with so many people, you know, standing in front of places trying to look for work. So many immigrants. So, And that was such a clean immigrant movie. There's not a speck of dirt in that movie. <laughs> and I'm thinking, wow, even though, you know, it was hard for her to leave her family and to come to Brooklyn and to meet, be among the Irish Catholic uh population of Brooklyn yes that's very sad the distance the loneliness the lack of communication and I think of today the immigrants and the still the, the longing for a good life for for security for a home and the fact that they can't get a shower and they can't bathe their children and they they don't have a place to go to I said I don't know something it just didn't quite ring my chimes the way it did everybody else but I mean it was a lovely movie but I don't know. Yeah, so that's Brooklyn. Let me see what else. Um, it certainly rang oh, my the, chime. I loved. I love Brooklyn. Did you love it? I loved it. I saw it twice, actually. Okay. It's one of the few okay, that, well, few that hey, I did. That's okay. I guess I was just thinking of <laughs> the reality out here, and uh, but no, it was a it was a lovely film. There's no doubt about that. And the Big Short. Mm -hmm. I thought that was amazing. I will never look at fish stew the same way again. <laughs> And I thought that was really a brilliant analogy. The gambling one wasn't as clear to me because I don't gamble, but well, I play the lottery sometimes. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> but um, but the fish soup thing or fish stew, I, wow, that was that was excellent, just excellent. So the Big Short, um, I liked all of the the Academy Award nominees were oh Mad Max, okay Mad Max, God, won all the technical technology awards and everything but okay point a to point b to point a again <laughs> with all these explosions little commentary on the environment if we don't take care of the oh there's a great line in there though where it says well we didn't destroy the earth and this other character says well who did then who then is responsible for the destruction of the earth mm -hmm. so there's a really strong ecological uh, care for the earth message there and also human trafficking. So it, it's not without its meaning. And when I look back at some of the still pictures of it and realize how beautiful it was, but when you see a movie, you're not seeing still pictures. Mm -hmm. And with this one, gosh, there's an awful lot of explosions. <laughs> so I don't know that, you know, that was, you, it was okay. You but may, you, it, it's, you know, it wasn't one of my favorites. It sounds like you might take the uh, uh, contrary 
a viewpoint that a lot of my friends have because we have this uh, long-standing argument about the merits of Mad Max. I, I feel it was my favorite film of the year. Uh, now, were your friends with include some women, or were they all guys? No, it, they do include some women, and they do include some guys. In, in fact, our uh, mutual friend, Sean, my, my boss, uh-huh. uh, he is not a fan of Mad Max Fury Road. So he, so I, I good-naturedly rib him and say, that's okay, Sean, you, you have a right to be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's like my sister and I, we argue over films, and my younger sister... And she said, we should have a show and call it, I'm right, you're wrong. (laughs) (laughs) We're always arguing. So, yeah. No, but see, different people see the same movie. And, you know, some people with doctorates can look at the same movie and have a completely different take on it. So, and that's okay. That's where the fun comes in. Absolutely. Right, when you have disagreements. Absolutely. Because, I mean, otherwise it would be a boring conversation if everybody agreed with each other. You know it would be. <laughs> it certainly would be. So you were you were telling me before we got on the line that uh, you are also involved with the Razzies. Tell me about that. Well, the Golden Raspberry Awards have been around for thirty six years, and last year, their thirty fifth anniversary, they did two things. They decided to rent a theater, and um, the voting is all done through Rotten Tomatoes, by the way. And they decided to rent a theater, sell tickets, and see what would happen. And so we were in the Ricardo Montalban Theater in Hollywood last year, the night before the Oscars. Mm -hmm. It was great fun. It was so much fun. Some people come really dressed up, and other people just come. And But we just laughed so much because they do these, you know, they really do takedowns of of the worst movies. (laughs) <laughs> Let me tell you, that's really funny. <laughs> and then this year we were at the Palace Theater on Broadway in Old Town, Los Angeles. And I'd actually never been down there before. The The Palace dates right back to maybe 1920. But again, we they, they I think they maybe sold seven, 800 tickets out of 1,000. And people just kept coming. And we had a good time. It was a little campy this year. I will say that. Because... Their favorite film to hate this year was Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> and uh, so they had to, you know, it was, yeah. But, you know, when I presented the Redeemer, and the reason I'm there is to present the Redeemer Award. So the first thing they did was get theaters last year and this year. And the second thing is they initiated the Razzie Redeemer Award to give it to a, uh, an actor and actress who would, who had finally chosen a good project. So last year was Ben Affleck who'd gone from Gilly and other, you know, <laughs> questionable choices to, to, um, Argo. Yeah. Right. The Argo, the one he won the Academy Award for. And then this year it went to Sylvester Stallone and, um, for Creed and, uh, and it was really nice. I, I'm the last award that's given. I kind of closed the show and, it was nice to be able to announce that I was hosting the condemned movies because nobody would love to see a series of, about condemned movies like seven or 800 Razzie people <laughs> because <laughs> they love movies. They love to hate movies. If they're bad, they don't like them. So, um, so I announced that. And then, then I said, uh, you know, uh, I'm sure we saw some movies tonight that, that probably would have made the condemned list. I think 50 shades did. And, um, and I said, but you know, we're going to pray next year 
for Fifty Shades of Grace because <laughs> miracles will happen. That's I like that. I like the sound of that. Yeah. <laughs> well, Sister Rose, this is uh, this has been a wonderful conversation, and I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful to have you on the on the network uh, hosting these films. Uh, Can I condem- suggest our next project together? Please. We let's do the Vatican favorite film list. Have you ever done that? Never have. Forty films. It's just made for Turner. That's that's a really good idea. Yeah. I'm, I'm jotting that down. And they're and they're they're classics like Nosferatu, which is one of my favorites. And uh, have you ever aired that one? Of course. Oh, great! So there's there's some really from all the way from Nosferatu to Schindler's List. So it's really a very good list. That is a great suggestion. I really, I'll send you the link. Please do. Please do. Okay. And, if, okay. and people uh, can not only tune in Thursdays uh, this month, March 2016, for uh, Sister Rose's uh, hosting of the Condemned Festival on TCM, but they can also go to sisterrosemovies.net to read your reviews of, of newer films as well as some really engaging and illuminating uh, essays about film and spirituality in general. Uh, Sister Rose, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me, Scott. God bless you. God bless you, and we'll talk to you later. Okay, very good. All right, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, again, thank you so much to Sister Rose for joining me. That was a great conversation, just illuminating so much about the Condemned Festival, but also about her thoughts on cinema and how it, affects the spiritual being of its viewers just such a really great conversation uh as i mentioned in the conversation she will be at the tcm film festival this year she'll be introducing uh, henry king's 1943 oscar winner the song of bernadette as well as uh, nicholas ray's version of king of kings uh, you can go to sisterrosemovies.net to read more of sister rose's criticism you can also friend her on Facebook and follow her on Twitter at Sister Rose Movies. So thank you so much again for her to, to for joining me, and thank you so much for listening to the TCM podcast. <laughs>